Dear loving Father in heaven, we thank you Lord for giving us the privilege to be among the living today. We understand that it is not because of our righteousness or our holiness or our goodness. We understand that it is because of your love and mercy that we are alive today. Now dear Lord, we do not want to be among those whose lives shall be a cause of mourning in heaven. So we pray please. Strengthen us and bless us with your word. Help us, Lord, through your spirit, that we may live in harmony with your will. We struggle and we are not the best of what we should be. We have our defects in character and that's why we come to fellowship with you. So we pray, Lord, may these moments spent with you be a source of blessing, a source of help and source of strength to us. On that note, Lord, please, please put your words in my mouth that the words spoken shall be indeed spirit and life to all of us who are partaking and fellowshipping with you. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, July 23 idolatry then and now. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Exodus chapter 20 verse 3. Though in a different form, idolatry exists in the Christian world today as verily as it existed among ancient Israel in the days of Elijah. The God of many professedly wise men, of philosophers, poets, politicians, journalists, the god of polished fashionable circles, of many colleges and universities, even of some theological institutions, is little better than Baal, the sun god of Phoenicia. No error accepted by the Christian world strikes more boldly against the authority of heaven. None is more pernicious in its results than the modern doctrine so rapidly gaining ground that God's law is no longer binding upon men. The Bible is within the reach of all, but there are few who really accept it as the guide of life. Infidelity prevails to an alarming extent, not in the world merely, but in the church. Many have come to deny doctrines which are the very pillars of the Christian faith. The great facts of creation as presented by the inspired writers, the fall of man, the atonement and the perpetuity of the law of God are practically rejected either wholly or in part by a large share of the professedly Christian world. Thousands who pride themselves upon their wisdom and independence regard it as an evidence of weakness to place implicit confidence in the Bible. They think it a proof of superior talent and learning to cavil at the scriptures and to spiritualize and explain away their most important truths. Many ministers are teaching their people and many professors and teachers are instructing their students that the law of God has been changed or abrogated and those who regard its requirements as still valid to be literally obeyed are thought to be deserving only of ridicule or contempt. 
the last great conflict between truth and error is but the final struggle of the long-standing controversy concerning the law of God. Upon this battle, we are now entering. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Idolatry Then and Now. As we have been seeing more recently in our devotion, idolatry became the main stay worship of the Israelites. The northern kingdom, which the Lord graciously gave to Jeroboam, was not kept in faithfulness and fidelity to God. Jeroboam instituted idol worship and this thing became a sin for Israel and as we will see later it became their destruction they never repented of it and the Lord had to give them up like the Bible says much later Ephraim is joined to her idols let her alone you never know how far one man's influence can go Jeroboam who was a man that the Lord graciously blessed, dividing the kingdom of Israel into two, leaving nine tribes under his control, which was actually supposed to be ten. But because of his apostasy, the Levites went to join the southern tribe, the southern kingdom where Rehoboam was and remained there. Jeroboam's influence on Israel brought in idolatry and it only got worse and worse with every king that came into Israel. His son Nadab continued in the same sin. The next king, Basha, did the same thing. The next king, the same. Zimri, the same. Omri, the father of Ahab, took it to another level. And Ahab, the Bible says that there was none who sold himself to walk wickedness like Ahab. Nobody, that's what the Bible says. None who sold himself to work wickedness like Ahab. And what was the wickedness Ahab worked? Firstly, he married a woman who was the daughter of the king of um, Zidon. And there, she brought in idolatry to another level now. Because they were already in idolatry with that golden calf that Jeroboam built. But now they brought Baal worship into Israel. And this idolatry was what brought about that prayer of Elijah. Three and a half years there was no rain. Three and a half years some had to die of famine. And Elijah... The lone man of God, God's hero, came to deliver Israel, but he prayed for the judgments of God upon them. What happened in Israel under the rulership of Ahab is no different from what we see happening to us today. Idolatry is happening. So we need to understand the concept of idolatry. How does something become a God to another person, to us, to humans? It is by obedience to that thing. That's how. When we look at the book of Exodus chapter 4 verse 14 to 16, it was when God was calling Moses and Moses kept on giving one excuse after another and later he said he couldn't speak well. And here's what the Lord told him in Exodus 4 verse 14 after he said he couldn't speak well. He says, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee, and when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him, and put words in his mouth. And I will be with thy mouth, and with his mouth, and will teach you what you shall do. Now take note, verse 16 says, And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people, and he shall be. 
even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth, and thou shalt be to him instead of God. And the God written there is with a capital G. So I want to take it slow so that we get the message very well. Here is God himself from the burning bush speaking to Moses. And he says to him, verse 16, that Aaron will be Moses' spokesman. And Moses will put words in Aaron's mouth. But because Moses is the one putting words in Aaron's mouth, God concludes and says that Moses, you shall be to Aaron instead of God. What is the lesson there? What is a God to anybody or to an idol? Because an idol is something that we make a God that is actually not God. Any God that is not the true God of heaven is called an idol. So when we have something as our God, whether it's a human being or whatever it is, it has to be a situation where one is listening to instructions from that thing or person and that person is telling you what to say because here god is saying moses you put the words in aaron's mouth and because you are putting words in aaron's mouth you have become a god to aaron now another incident is when they went to meet pharaoh that's moses and aaron god said to moses exodus 7 verse 1 and 2 and the lord said unto moses see i have made thee a god to pharaoh and aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet why did god say he has made moses a god not to aaron this time but to pharaoh take note exodus 4 god said i have made moses you are a god to to aaron why because aaron is going to be speaking what you tell him to speak but in this case god is saying moses i have made you a god to pharaoh this time why let's read verse 2 thou shalt speak all that i command thee so moses is speaking Aaron thy brother shall then speak to Pharaoh that he send the children of Israel out of his land. So Moses is not speaking to Pharaoh, he's speaking to Aaron. But because what Moses is telling Aaron is the same thing Aaron is telling Pharaoh and Pharaoh is going to carry out what Moses says, therefore God says you are a God, Moses is a God to Pharaoh. So here we learn another lesson. Whatever is a God to anybody is the person or thing that makes you, that tells you what to do, not just what to say. In Genesis 3 verse 17, this is the sin. Some of us wonder, what sin did Adam commit and Eve? They say, well, the sin of disobedience, they ate the fruit. Beyond that, it's not about just eating the fruit that they were told not to eat. They chose another God for themselves. God had told them that they should not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That was God's instruction. And then Satan came through the serpent and told Eve that she should eat. She had two instructions. One says, don't eat from the God of heaven. Another says, eat. And it was the serpent that said it. But was it really the serpent? There was someone behind the serpent. That serpent was like Aaron, the prophet of Satan. Satan was the one who controlled the serpent to talk to um, Eve. And Eve did what the serpent said. By listening to the serpent and carrying out the serpent's instruction, she worshipped Satan. Now she took the fruit and gave to Adam to eat. And Adam didn't talk to Satan directly, but someone who had Satan's message talked to him, which was Eve, and he listened to her and ate. By listening to Eve, he was actually listening to the serpent and actually listening to Satan. So you see the connection there. The source of the information, the source of the things that we say and do, that is our God. Genesis 3 verse 17, the Lord nailed it here and said unto Adam, he said, Because thou hast hearkened, that is, you listened unto the voice of your wife, 
and has eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. So two things now. God commanded. God says, I gave you an instruction. You didn't hearken to my own instruction. But you hearken to the voice of your wife. That is the problem with Adam. And by listening to the voice of his wife, he was actually listening to the voice of the serpent and he was listening to Satan. And by listening to Satan and carrying out Satan's instruction, he had another God. The concept of idolatry is to have other gods. It is to be obedient to Satan. In the past, idolatry was connected with physical handmade gods. And then there were practices that were done in honor to these gods. These gods did not tell man to do these things. Man made the gods with their own hands and made the practices that were associated with these gods but an inspiration. But the inspiration for this was none other than Satan. Man does not actually imagine to make these gods, though he may think so. It is actually a suggestion of Satan that he is following, which he calls his imagination. The Israelites had gone into idolatry. In addition to the idolatry, they also made Baal to be their god. But what was the source of these gods? When Jeroboam was thinking that day and was saying, hmm, these people, if I leave them to go to Jerusalem, they will turn away from serving me. Let me build these calves for them to worship. It was a, the Bible says it was his imagination, but who brought those thoughts to his mind? It was the devil. So, by following that instruction, that idea that came to his mind, what was he doing? He was listening to the devil speaking to him and was involving himself in idolatry. Those who make those idols, where do they get the idea from? None other than the devil. The idol is not made until man makes it. So, how can an idol tell you to make him when he doesn't even exist yet? But they make the idols and worship it. Was there really any God? In the, are these things any God? It's just a suggestion of Satan whispered. And Jeroboam's case whispered to him, which he brought into fruition. That was what became known as the God that Israel worshipped. So with every other God, they are all the imaginations of the wicked hearts of man. But man himself does not bring about his imaginations. Satan is the source of it. The exalting of the things made from man's imagination is what is called idolatry. Do you get the picture? When we exalt our imagination and the things coming from our minds, our ideas, our imagination, it's not in harmony with God's word. And then we follow it. We are already engaging in idolatry. Whenever man stubbornly follows his imagination to the neglect of God's word, he is being rebellious. And the idea or the thing that comes out of this thinking is idolatry. This is why Samuel said to King Saul in 1 Kings 15 verse 23, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. That stubbornness that makes man imagine a calf and build it with his own hands and calls it a god, that is idolatry. The stubbornness is idolatry that imagines a fish in the mind and calls it a god and proceeds to make a fish god and gives it a name called Dagon like the Philistines did. That is idolatry. Stubbornness is iniquity and idolatry. That is what Samuel said. And this idolatry is seen rampantly around us today. One reason why this practice is offensive to God is because behind the imagination of man is none other than Satan. Though the thing built as an idol means nothing, because the inspiration comes from Satan, anyone who follows or obeys that suggestion is actually obeying Satan and therefore worshipping him. The practices associated with it are practices suggested by Satan to the mind. 
to the mind of man which when it is done satan is the one receiving the worship because it is him that is being obeyed man may think he's just bringing out things from his imagination for example what we read uh, in our devotion for today and the first paragraph it says though in a different form idolatry exists in the christian world today as verily as it existed among ancient israel in the days of elijah the god of many professedly wise men of philosophers poets politicians journalists the gods of polished fashionable circles of many colleges and universities even of some theological institutions is little better than baal the sun god of phoenicia do you understand why now it is because in these institutions even the theological institutions some of them and in the universities and colleges there are ideas that come out from there that are inspired by none other than satan the foundation of idolatry is about an imagination that comes to the head that is suggested by satan and brought out as truth and followed as a religion or as a practice the bible is within reach of all but there are few who really accept it as a guide of life infidelity prevails to an alarming extent not in the world merely but in the church many have come to deny doctrines which are the very pillars of the christian faith the great facts of creation as presented by the inspired writers the fall of man the atonement and the perpetuity of the law of god are practically rejected either wholly or in part by a large share of the professedly christian world end of quote i remember one i think that was pope john paul who said that we should not take genesis chapter 1 to chapter 12 seriously many people in the christian world today have started to believe in evolution and these ideas and the imaginations who do you think suggested it to the mind of man none other than satan and that is what makes it idolatry that's why samuel said stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry what was the stubbornness that king saul performed the lord said to him slay everything in the land of the amalekites an imagination came to saul's mind keep them don't slay them where did who, who do you think suggested that thing to saul to satan and that is why samuel told him you see the stubbornness that you just displayed in following your own imagination above the word of God, neglecting God's word and following what you thought was right. Saul said, I kept the ships because I wanted to use them as sacrifice to God. Who gave him that idea when the word of God had said, slay everything? He kept King Agag also. That imagination was stubbornness and that stubbornness is idolatry. Why? because the imagination came from satan this is the reason why even though we know that these wooden and go and stony and maybe things made of gold that are idols today in the eastern religions and all over the world they are just nothing but nevertheless even though we see them to be ordinary wood and metal and stone there is still something spiritual connected with it and and paul expressed this when he said in the book of first corinthians 10 verse 17 he said from 17 downward for we being many are one bread and one body for we are all partakers of that one bread behold israel after the flesh are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the flesh in other words those who partake in the practices of a particular god in this case the god of heaven if you eat if anyone eats the food that that is made as a sacrifice to the god of heaven they have become a partaker of the worship service of god and they are seen as people that worship the god of heaven because they ate of the sacrifice and they 
engaged in the practice that had to do the worship of God. So Israel is not just people who call themselves Israel, but it is like Paul said here, those who partake of the altar. It doesn't mean you don't have to be someone born from Abraham's family or Isaac's family or Jacob's family to be Israel. All you need to be Israel is partake in the worship service. The practices that are involved in worshiping God, that is what makes you Israel. Now, verse 19, he says, What say I then? That the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? The concept here that Paul is trying to bring to our minds that the word of God brings to us is this. You don't have to say with your mouth that I'm worshipping any god. You don't have to say I'm worshipping Baal or I'm worshipping Dagon. As far as the practice that is associated with the worship of Baal or Dagon, you are involved in it. As far as you are involved in the practice, you are already worshipping them. In this case, one of the practices was to eat the food that was sacrificed to those gods. If you eat it, even though it is just a mere food, even though the thing is just wood, you, have, you are already partaking in the worship of devils. That's what he says. And you cannot provoke the Lord to jealousy because if you partake of the worship service of the devils, you are already showing that you are not following the Lord. Idolatry strikes its deadly blow against the most important thing for man. And what's the most important thing for us? A knowledge of God. A knowledge of God is the most important thing for us. And idolatry takes away from man this knowledge of God. It changes God into something that he is not. And man cannot rise higher than his concept of God. If you think God to be wood and stubble and stone, you will find that your character will not rise higher than what you think that stone to be. If man does not know God, who is at fault? Sometimes it may be ignorance, but most of the time this is not the case. Most times it is because when man knows God, the knowledge does not appeal to his carnal nature. So he ditches that God he knows to accept one that is more appealing to his flesh. It is for this reason that Paul wrote in the book of Romans 1, reading from verse 18, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and godhead so that they are without excuse because that when they knew god they glorified him not as god neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened professing themselves to be wise they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God. Do you see the process now? They knew God, but because they didn't like what they saw, when they saw what God was from his word, they understood it, but they didn't like it. So they changed their knowledge of God. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, 
God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts. Do you see what the result of idolatry is? Like I'm saying, I just want, I don't want to lose you. Idolatry strikes at the knowledge of God, which is the most important thing for us. What is the knowledge of God? John 17 verse 3. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Life eternal is important for man. And life eternal cannot be gotten without the knowledge of God. So Satan takes away eternal life from us by obfuscating and changing what God is to in our minds. But the problem is that man submits to this. God reveals himself to man, but man doesn't like what he sees. They don't like God. And I'll say what they see in God very soon, because the knowledge of God that I'm talking about, we'll talk about what it is. But this knowledge of God, not being appealing to the mind of man, he changes it into what he likes, like we're just reading here. And when we do that, what happens? It changes man into something that is corrupt, Idolatry is what makes man to become base. And all kinds of practices are done in idolatry. You go and read the book of Leviticus 18, for example. And not just Leviticus 18, but when you see the Lord warning Israel, do not follow what you saw in Egypt. And after the doings of the people of Canaan, do not do. What were some of the things that they were doing? They were burning their children as sacrifices. And as we saw in the case of Rehoboam, even Solomon, what were they involved in? Sodomy. Look around us today. What is happening to those who are involved in homosexuality? They have a leaky anus, bleeding. Sometimes they want, the stool just comes out without even them making any pressure. It is something that is not good. The knowledge of God being removed from the mind is what brings about these practices and they claim that they are doing it to their gods. Many other practices they do. Sexual reveries. All these things are done in idolatrous practices and idolatry today is still happening and look at the way it is shown here paul says in the book of romans 1 from verse 26 for this cause for what cause that they knew god and they didn't like what they saw for this cause god gave them up to vile affections for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature do you see what idolatry brings the woman changes herself into that which is against nature and likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one towards another men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet and even as they did not like to retain god in their knowledge god gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient it's not convenient Sacrificing the children's idols, tattoos on the body, anal sex, sexual orgies, multiple partners, burning themselves. All these things are not convenient. They harm man. Like I said, I'm developing this because I'm trying to make us understand that what makes idolatry so bad, why God hates it, is that it makes man to become base and it affects man's health. It affects man's well-being. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness. Before I go on, I just want to remind us again. Take note, how did they get filled with all of this? Because they changed the image of God into what? Four-footed beasts, birds, and creeping things. What is that? Idolatry. And what has it led to now? God then gives them up. Since they are not following him, God leaves them up, leaves them to themselves. And it, this idolatry then leads to all these practices. Fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, 
backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents without understanding, covenant breakers without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. Wow, this is why idolatry is so bad. But this knowledge of God I'm referring to, what does it really mean? How do we know God? 1 John chapter 2 verse 3 says, Hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. And his, whosoever saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So what really does idolatry strike at? It strikes on the commandments of God. Modern day idolatry shows itself in various ways. We are not free from idolatry today. Forget the fact that we are not seeing many idols of wood and stone. What we don't understand is that idolatry doesn't have to just do with wood and stone. It also has to do with pictures. In the book of Numbers 33 verse 52, it says, Then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you, and destroy all their pictures, destroy all their molten images, and quite pluck down all their high places. Some people think that idolatry stops with just the images. No, even to the images like pictures are also idols and that's why god said do not make for thyself any graven image whether it is in heaven or earth pictures people today are making pictures of so-called jesus and so-called god that is still idolatry idolatry associated with the gods in those days made by man and suggested by satan has its various practices let us just take a look at some of them now i won't go into much detail but such gods like dagon and the god of the Ammonites were worshipped through sexual practices like sodomy and sexual organs. How do we see that today? Every time you see people in this pornography, that is still the same thing. And even people who are going to hallowed houses, it's the same thing. It's the same practices of idolatry. Solomon's wife, Nama, was, we have already seen, introduced this in Israel and Judah. Ashtoreth is known as a god of fertility and is worshipped today in the form of, guess what, Easter. Many people do not understand, but just pause and think. What does Easter have to do, I mean the resurrection of Jesus, that's what they claim Easter is. What does that have to do with bunnies and eggs? I'll tell you what, it doesn't have to do with the resurrection of Jesus. The use of bunnies and eggs in Easter is to represent the god of fertility called Ishtar, which is the same Ashtoreth that we have been talking about in our devotion. That Ashtoreth, in another language, the name for that god is Ishtar. Other gods, they, other places they call her Astart. All of it is still the same god Ishtar. And it has always been a practice to celebrate the fertility of man. And they bring lots of eggs to show fertility. And the bunnies are used. Why? Because bunnies are animals that um, are highly active sexually. Perhaps the most sexually active animal is the rabbit, the bunny. And that is why the bunny and the eggs are used for Easter celebrations. And like I've heard somewhere, which is very reasonable, these, I know that, not, I know that this, um, during that Easter practice, there is a lot of sexual reverie. But I heard of somewhere too that this sexual reverie is done to impregnate women. And nine months later, what follows? December comes and there's lots of giving birth to children. Many give because from the time of Easter to the time of so called Christmas is nine months. 
I've heard somewhere that that is, that is the, the reason for that is so that in that ninth month there will be lots of giving birth to children which are going to be used. Remember the Bible says sacrificing to their gods. They sacrifice those babies to their gods. And today we see it even in sports. I don't, you just need to go and check it for yourself. You can go and look at it in olympics.com and you'll see all they wrote about sports. Sports as you know it today, they were all worship services to the gods like Zeus and Heraclitus and many other gods. And you see that in those days, they were, it was just men who used to do it. And do you know that the athletes, they usually used to run naked before? They run naked. Just now, they're just wearing only pants. But they're still naked, the athletes. It was something that was always done since the days of Greece. 400 BC, 500 BC, they were always doing these things. The athletics, the wrestling, the chariot racing, all of that was done in honor to gods like Zeus and Heraclitus and all of them. But then, it is still there today. And it's not hidden, it's just hidden from your sight because you've not researched. Just go and make your research and you realize that all of this, even the Olympic torch that was good, the fire that they pass around the world before they light up uh, that fire for the Olympics to begin. All of those things are pagan worship services. And what did we read in First Corinthians chapter 10 from verse 17 downward? That as long as you are partaking in these services, you have become one of them. You have become one of them. You cannot say, oh, um, I didn't join them. You joined. That is the practice. People who come there come to worship the gods. And when you sit down watching these things, it is the same thing that is going on. But back to what I was saying before. The worst kind of idolatry one can engage in is the type that negates the law of God. Because it is through the law of God that we have a knowledge of God. Conflict and Courage, page 210, paragraph 3 said, No error accepted by the Christian world strikes more boldly against the authority of heaven. None is more pernicious in its results than the modern doctrine so rapidly gaining ground that God's law is no longer binding upon men. End of quote. And like I've been saying earlier, idolatry strikes at the knowledge of God. And what is the knowledge of God? 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. Hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. So what does idolatry really do? It leads men to do things, practices that are against the word of God. The idolatry that Samuel accused Saul of practicing, what was it? It was disobedience to God's word. But what was the source of that imagination in King Saul's mind? It was the devil. And today that is the highest form of idolatry. It has always been anyway. Idolatry has always been about going against God's commandment. If not, you wouldn't hear Samuel tell Saul that this stubbornness he you displayed now is idolatry. So, today, even in the Christian world, there's the teaching that the commandments of God has been done away with. But is it true? What does the Bible really teach? You see, the very fact that today man still upholds some part of that law is the greatest evidence that the law has not been done away with. Um, but let us look at what the Bible says. Matthew 5, verse 17 and 18. Here is Jesus speaking. Jesus said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. That is the word of Jesus. He's, he's not saying today alone, that day when he spoke, Till heaven and earth pass. That law will never be done away with. So those who are teaching that the law of God has been done away with are teaching things that are anti-Christ. 
things that are not in harmony with the word of God and it is antichrist. Again, Jesus said in the book of John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. If the commandment is done away with, why will Jesus be telling us to keep his commandments? And some would say, oh, the commandment Jesus is referring to is the commandment of love. He just said we should love one another. What does it mean to love? Romans 13 verse 8 and to, uh, to verse 10 says, Oh, no man anything but to love one another. Because that's what some people love to hear. Oh, the only commandment we have is love. What is love? You are not left to define that by yourself. Let God define what love is. So I'm reading, continuing now. Oh, no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. So yes, the only commandment we have is to love. But what is love? Clearly it is stated out to us. It is the keeping of the commandments of God. And like I have said in 1 John 2 verse 3 and 4, that is what it means to know God. It is to keep his commandments. Jesus said in the book of Matthew 19 verse 16 and 17, when the rich young ruler came to meet him and told, asked him, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? In verse 17 he said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Eternal life is always connected to the commandments of God. And none can keep this commandment except through the help of Jesus Christ. But the focus of my discussion now is to establish from the word of God where the commandment stands for us today. Has it been done away with or is it still binding on us? From all we have read so far, it is still binding. Even if you want to say the only commandment that is there is love. Yes, what is love? Come back to the law of God. It is the keeping of the law of God. Psalms 19 verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Now, can you make a change to something that is perfect? The law of the Lord is perfect. How can you improve on something that is perfect? For those who say that God modified the law, he made a change to it. Where did he make the change? How can he change it? If he changes it, what does that mean? That means that it was not perfect. And therefore, he who broke the law before, what happens to the person? Is the person now free? Then what was the point in the death of Jesus? Because the breaking of the commandments, that is what sin is. First John 3 verse 4 tells us, Whosoever sinneth transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. So if God changes the law, then he's changing the definition of sin. And then it means that he has to change his judgment on people in the past. But the God, Lord, God is not changing his law for anyone. Because to change it will be that God is admitting that he made a mistake. And God has not made any mistake. The law of the Lord is perfect. Romans 7 verse 12 tells us, Wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy, just and good. Psalm 119 verse 142 says, Thy law is the truth. Verse 152 says, I Concerning thy testimonies, I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. It can never be done away with. God founded his law and it was to be 
binding on man forever not the death of jesus abolished the law if the death of if if the law could be abolished then why did jesus die because he died for sins and sin is the transgression of the law so if you could change the law imagine today if the law is changed and somebody who was being convicted for maybe carrying cannabis and cannabis today they just change the law carrying i'm um, smoking cannabis is no longer a, a crime what do you think will happen to the person who has smoked it before they will be set free so if the law could be changed why did jesus come down to die he could have just changed the law and man will no longer be a sinner and he will save himself the whole stress of dying on the cross do you understand the point for the law to change that means the death of jesus is null and void it was unnecessary the law cannot change psalm 119 verse 172 says all thy commandments are righteousness and verse 151 says all thy commandments are truth and it is this truth this righteousness this law that the lord is going to use to judge this earth how can he use something that he has abolished to judge the earth james 2 verse 10 to 12 says for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point he is guilty of all for he that said do not commit adultery said also do not kill now if thou commit no adultery yet if thou kill thou art become a transgressor of the law so speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty amen and in these last days just as it was in the days of elijah and just as it has always been since man was made and even before man was made in heaven the issue between God and Satan was about the law until today it is still about the law of God and it will continue to be so till Jesus comes we read in conflict and courage page 210 paragraph 5 the last great conflict between truth and error is but the final struggle of the long-standing controversy concerning the law of God upon this battle we are now entering end of quote but as we enter this battle on which side are you are you on the side of those who were like the prophets of Baal, saying that the law of God has been abolished? Do you remember what Elijah accused them of, Ahab and his people? When Ahab told Elijah, Are you the one who troubles Israel? Are you the troubler of Israel? He said to him in 1 Kings chapter 18, from verse 18, he said, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. Are you seeing it now? The idolatry, the problem between Ahab and Elijah was about the commandments. All the other things we were seeing about prophets of Baal, Baal worship, the Israelites standing and halting between two opinions, not knowing what to choose. All of it was surrounded on this matter, the commandments of the Lord. And Elijah told Ahab, this is how you are the one troubling Israel. You have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and has followed Baalim. And we are coming to the end of time. Are you going to be on Ahab's side by forsaking the commandments of the Lord? Or are you going to be on Elijah's side as one who is God's hero that will not bow his knee to Baal? Bowing the knee to Baal by going in, involving yourself in sexual reveries. Bowing the knee to Baal by being a sports fanatic. Bowing the knee to Baal by being one who is addicted to uh alcohol and to other 
vices, bowing the knee to Baal through the entertainment industry, bowing the knee to Baal by believing ideas that are contrary to the word of God like evolution and the knowledge and, and the teaching that the commandments of God has been done away with. In doing all of this, we are on Ahab's side bowing the knee to Baal and like we just read upon this battle we are now entering what battle is that the long-standing controversy concerning the law of God why is it that the people of God in these last days the remnant are described as those that keep the commandments of God it is because in these last days the law of God will be the point of controversy read it for yourself Revelation chapter 14 verse 12 concerning you remember Revelation is written for the last days this is the last events that are going to happen in the world god's people are not described as those that dance around they are not described as those that are going to be having a high time revelation 14 verse 12 describes god's people he says here is the patience of the saints here are they that keep the commandments of god and the faith of jesus remember elijah's words thou art the troubler of israel because you have forsaken the commandments of god revelation written for the last days the last days of this earth God's people are going to be those who are keeping the commandments of God. Revelation 12 verse 17 says, And the dragon was wroth with the woman. If you read verse 9 of this Revelation 12, you see who this dragon is. He's called the devil and that serpent, Satan. That serpent, remember? He's the one, Eve. That serpent was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God. He doesn't say which jump around in church. He doesn't say those who teach that the commandments of God has been done away with. The people of God in the last days are those who keep the commandments of God. Please, I beg you, stop listening to your pastors who are telling you that the commandments of God has been done away with. They are blind leaders of the blind and they will all fall into a ditch. Do not follow them. The Bible talks about false prophets in these last days. It is not for you to look at the suits that people are wearing or the car that they're driving or the jets that they have or the house that they have and how wealthy they are. All those things are just external aesthetics. The people of God, the men of God, like Elijah, Elijah was not dressed like the rest of the prophets of Baal. What made him a man of God is that he was standing on the commandments of God. And the other prophets who were there, the prophets of Baal and the priests, they represent those men today who are teaching that the commandments of God has been done away with. They will not want to follow all of it. They will follow some sometimes and they will neglect others. They are verily still prophets of Baal. Why will you keep listening to them to your own destruction? Why? The commandments of God are still valid, especially the fourth commandment that many pastors will want to say has been done away with. The Sabbath commandment, it still stands. It is only one who is antichrist that will go against that fourth commandment. Do you see anywhere in your Bible from Genesis to Revelation where God said, I'm going to change it or he has changed it? Revelation said that God's people are those that keep the commandments of God and in Revelation 22 the last chapter of Revelation just towards the last verses brings up this commandment again in verse 14 and says blessed oh blessed not cursed not stupid not ridiculed not scorned not mocked but blessed are they that do his commandments you may mock them in this earth you may ridicule them you may look at them as narrow-minded but that is not the way the word of god and the god of heaven looks at them the lord says they are blessed you may say they are mocked you may say they are stupid but god says blessed are they 
that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates of the city reason with me my brothers and sisters how can the last few verses of the bible speak in this manner and yet some people are saying the commandments of god has been done away with where is that idea and imagination coming from it is coming from no other place than from satan just as eve listened to the serpent and took that fruit to adam so also some men have been listening to the serpent and they are coming to us today and preaching to us and telling us eat the fruit you will not surely die don't worry you don't need to follow the commandments of god you will live you will not surely die but sadly it is a lie on which side are you are you with elijah or are you with the prophets of baal psalm 19 verse 126 says it is time for thee lord to work for they have made void thy law depart from me ye evil doers for i will keep the commandments of my god amen and this is what we should be saying in these last days while wokeism is coming up while the world is going woke and going left this is a time for us to say depart from me ye evil doers for i will keep the commandments of god when the people are telling you tell a lie say depart from me you evil doers for i will keep the commandments not just of god of my god it's a personal thing i will keep the commandments of my father of my friend of my god just as god answered elijah by fire so will he answer the prayers of his children who keep his law in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation today reading from great controversy page 584 paragraph 2 we are told it would be far more consistent for nations to abolish their statutes and permit the people to do as they please than for the ruler of the universe to annul his law and leave the world without a standard to condemn the guilty or justify the obedient. Would we know the result of making void the law of God? The experiment has been tried. Terrible were the scenes enacted in France when atheism became the controlling power. It was then demonstrated to the world that to throw off the restraints which God has imposed is to accept the rule of the cruelest tyrants when the standard of righteousness is set aside the way is open for the prince of evil to establish his power in the earth brothers and sisters come into line is it because of the sabbath that you are saying the law of god has been done away with because many times when we speak to people they will all agree even the world agrees no 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 adultery is bad don't steal don't kill they will say that they agree with those ones they agree with at least those three don't steal don't kill and some don't agree with adultery but by and large many people in the world agree with thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not steal many still agree with the others don't tell lies don't uh, covet and honor your father and your mother they agree with these things but when it comes to the other four to a certain degree they agree but just one there's one that one that says remember the sabbath to keep it holy when it comes to that one strangely people want to dissociate themselves from it why why because we are human creatures that love conformity we don't like being different 
If the world by and large were following that commandment, many will join. But because it will make you to be like Elijah. Elijah stood alone among the Israelites and he was not ashamed. Today, those Elijahs in the Christian world standing alone will follow all the commandments of God including to keep the seventh day Sabbath holy to be very specific just in case you're wondering seventh day Sabbath Saturday they will keep it holy they won't claim to be keeping it and yet breaking it by going to parties on the same Sabbath and going to buy things on the Sabbath and doing all their pleasure on the Sabbath they are not the ones who claim to keep the commandments of God. They are actually keeping it because there are many today who call themselves Elijahs but they are false Elijahs. They are Israelites who were apostates. Apostate Israel is what they are. Not true Israel. Why? Because they have no scruples in breaking the Sabbath. They just go to church on Sabbath. That's all. They don't keep it holy. They just go to church. That's all. They don't even do preparation. That's not what we're talking about. To be Elijah today you have to stand alone and subsequently we'll talk about that. But suffice to say for today that the Lord is calling upon us to raise the standard up and like David we can say in Psalm 119 from verse 1 blessed are they undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord blessed are they that keep his testimonies not stupid not crazy not mad not ridiculed not mocked but what blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart they also do no iniquity. What's the standard for iniquity? How do we know what iniquity is if the law of God has been done away with? How do you then know those who are the people of God if the law of God has been done away with? It is the law of God that is the standard to judge who is righteous and who is the who are the true people of God. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments, not unto some of thy commandments, all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy, hear it again, from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all thy judgments of thy mouth, all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. I pray that we all shall sincerely and truly speak these same words and be on the side of truth like Elijah. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, I pray that these words that have been spoken will be blessed into the hearts of those who have listened. And I pray, Father, that it shall be a means by which we shall reform our lives and follow on to know the Lord. Or it shall be a means for us to properly investigate your word concerning where your commandment stands in our lives in these last days. Help us, Lord, to be among the remnant people who is described in your word as those that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. We struggle in other parts of your commandments, 
but with our hearts we are seeking you as, as we are, as we follow david in praying we are longing to keep your commandments we, de- we desire it help us lord if we are struggling to desire it if we are like those people who have known god that is to know your commandments and have changed the knowledge of god in our hearts forgive us and help us lord to love what we see in your law and to be more like you thank you lord for hearing our prayers and thank you for answering in jesus name i've prayed amen